Section 10 of Captain Cook by Walter Besant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 6 Cook's First Voyage, Part 2. In spite of all, the story of Cook's first voyage proved the most interesting account of adventure and discovery ever yet presented to English readers. For the reason already given, I do not propose to make long extracts from it. The following is the skeleton course of the ship. August 26th, 1768. The Endeavour set sail from Plymouth Sound. September 13th, Madeira. The narrative speaks of kindness and hospitality received there. Mr. George Forster darkly hints at a discreet silence being thrown over a certain bombardment of Fort Lewitt, Madeira, by an English man-of-war, assisted by Captain Cook, in revenge for an insult offered to the British flag. Perhaps, who knows? November 13th, Rio de Janeiro. January 14th, 1769. Entered the Strait of Le Maire. The ship doubled Cape Horn and arrived off the western end of the Magellan Strait in 33 days, the ship having sustained no damage. April 10th, sighted Otaite, having on the run from Cape Horn discovered several small islands, namely Lagoon Island, Thurnal Cape, Bow Island, The Groups, Bird Island, and Chain Island. April 13th, anchored in Matavai Bay. June 1st, transit of Venus successfully observed. July 13th, left Otaheite, cruised among the islands of the group, landed on those called by cook huaheine bola bola ulietea otaha tubai and morua october seventh new zealand sighted the whole of the coast of new zealand was examined the country being proved to consist of two islands and to form no part of the great southern continent six months were given to this work march thirty first seventeen seventy sailed from new zealand april twenty eighth anchored in botany bay cook then followed up the coast of australia northward for two thousand miles august twenty fifth left the coast of new south wales and steered for the coast of new guinea passed through torres strait and established the fact that new guinea and new holland are separate islands touched at timor savo and batavia june twelfth seventeen seventy one anchored in the downs the results of this voyage have been summed up as follows by cook himself in the introduction to his account of the second voyage i was ordered to proceed directly to otaheite and after astronomical observations should be completed to prosecute the design of making discoveries in the south pacific ocean by proceeding to the south as far as latitude forty degrees then if i found no land to proceed to the west between forty degrees and thirty-five degrees till i fell in with new zealand which i was to explore and thence to return to england by such route as i should think proper in the prosecution of these instructions i sailed from deptford the thirtieth july seventeen sixty eight from plymouth the twenty sixth of august touched at madeira rio de janeiro and strait le maire and entered the south pacific ocean by cape horn in january the following year i endeavoured to make a direct course to otaheite and in part succeeded 
but I made no discovery till I got within the tropic, where I fell in with Lagoon Island, the groups, Bird Island, Chain Island, and on the 13th of April arrived at Otaheite, where I remained three months, during which time the observations on the transit were taken. I then left it, discovered and visited the Society Islands and Ohetoroa, thence proceeded to the south, till I arrived in latitude 40 degrees 22 minutes south, longitude 147 degrees 29 minutes west, and on the 6th of October fell in with the east side of New Zealand. I continued exploring the coast of this country till the 31st of March, 1770, when I quitted it and proceeded to New Holland, and having surveyed the eastern coast of that vast country, which part had not before been visited, I passed between its northern extremity and New Guinea, landed on the latter, touched at the island of Savu, Batavia, Cape of Good Hope, and St. Helena, and arrived in England on the 2nd of July, 1771. The publication of the journals of this voyage was looked for with the greatest eagerness. As might be expected, the official narrative was anticipated by productions written hastily and without the maps and charts. One of them was anonymous, the work of someone who had been on board and concealed his name. The other was the journal of Banks' draftsman, Mr. Sidney Parkinson, a copy of which was obtained surreptitiously. This, which was enriched by Parkinson's drawings, was suppressed by an injunction. Hawksworth's narrative was not published until after Cook's departure for the second voyage. He asserts, no doubt, with perfect truth, that he submitted it to Cook for perusal before he went away, and to Banks before publication. Everything, it is certain, was there. He had omitted no incident either from Cook's or Banks' journals, but the work, as it appeared, belonged neither to Cook nor to Banks. Apart from the immense body of new geographical work accomplished in the voyage, it is remarkable for having led to a more successful method of treating that terrible scourge of every voyage, scurvy. We have seen how Wallace treated it. In the account of the second voyage, we shall see how Cook treated it. But on this, his first voyage, and perhaps his first long voyage, unless we count the passage of the Atlantic a long voyage, he seems to have had no experience of scurvy and to have taken no special precautions. The experience of Byron, whose company suffered horribly from this scourge, could not have been unknown to him. Byron returned in 1766, two years before the endeavor sailed, and although his journals had not yet been published, the Admiralty had all the information and could hardly withhold a fact so important as the prostration of half the crew. Nothing, however, is said of special precautions. Moreover, very little is said about scurvy during the first part of the voyage, when they were seldom, after the six weeks' run from Cape Horn to Tahiti, many days from land. On their return voyage, however, after leaving Batavia, where the whole company seemed to have been poisoned by the heat and the stinks of the place, scurvy and fever together fell upon the crew, so that forty were on the sick list out of the forty twenty-three died this dreadful calamity the sight of all the suffering impressed cook so much that in future we shall find him taking as much thought for the prevention of scurvy as for the prosecution of the enterprise in hand and after the second voyage he was as much congratulated on his success in this respect 
as on his achievements as an explorer of unknown seas the death list indeed was frightful the astronomer charles green died the surgeon monkhouse died the first lieutenant hicks died among others who died were sporing and parkinson both of banks's party two midshipmen the master a young man of good parts but unhappily given up to intemperance which brought on disorders that put an end to his life the boatswain the carpenter his mate and two of his crew the sailmaker a good old man of seventy who had kept himself from fever in batavia by getting drunk every day and his mate the corporal of marines the cook and in all about a dozen seamen this was a goodly roll out of a company of eighty but this was the last voyage in which scurvy was to demand such an enormous proportion of victims cook was going to prove the best physician ever known in the prevention of scurvy the only true method of prevention however the mode of preserving every variety of fresh food was not discovered for a long time afterwards mr clark russell has remarked in his life of dampier that in those days they oversalted the beef and pork the remark is equally true of the provisions served out in cook's time they were oversalted george forster of the second voyage complains bitterly of the time when the private stores of the officers and passengers were exhausted and they had to live on the ship's provisions just like the crew he tells us how every day the sight and smell of the salt junk that was served to them made them loathe their food which besides was so hard that there was neither nourishment nor flavour left in it imagine the misery the solid misery of having to live upon nothing but a fibrous mass of highly salted animal matter accompanied by rotten and weevily biscuit think of this going on day after day for a hundred days and sometimes more at a stretch three long months with no bread vegetables butter or fruit even the water gone bad and no tea coffee or cocoa it seems a slight to the memory of captain cook to dismiss his first voyage with so scant a notice but indeed dr hawksworth has taken the commander out of the narrative so completely that nothing remains of him but a shadow who moves and acts we never catch his eye we never hear him speak as the captain so the company the followers of captain jason himself or the crew who threw jonah into the waves are hardly more shadowy than the crew of the endeavour we may dismiss this first voyage with one more remark when a voyage of discovery is sent out in these days most places are supposed to be so well known as to require no detailed description though observations may be made on points of new or special interest this was not so with cook he or dr banks or dr hawksworth thinks it necessary to give descriptions of every place the ship visited madeira the cape of good hope and batavia require a description almost as full and complete as otaheite new zealand and the coast of new holland this is fortunate for us many things have been changed since then especially in batavia where it is hoped they no longer punish their malefactors by impalement nor do their ladies flog and torture their female slaves out of jealousy the colonial government has also perhaps learned a little civility and hospitality and one would like to learn 
that they have cleaned up the place a little but the account of the dutch colony and that of cape town are most valuable as contemporary pictures of a kind of life now passed away every one who has endeavoured to reconstruct life as it was a hundred or two hundred years ago must know how extraordinarily difficult it is to find records exact and minute cook's or bank's or hawksworth's notes on batavia will always be as useful to one considering colonial ways in the last century as to those who study polynesian manners customs language and tradition at the moment of their discovery many stories told of this voyage greatly affected the popular imagination i have not quoted any of them for reasons already stated the night of terror and freezing cold spent by banks and his companions on a hillside of tierra del fuego in the height of the antarctic summer the soft and gentle manners of the otaheitans whose ladies though not so beautifully dressed reminded the tender-hearted mariners in many particulars of paul and doll and mal those fair maids of point in st mary street the fierce new zealanders the vast island of new holland so thinly populated bigger they said than the whole of europe heavens what treasures must be waiting in that vast unexplored country the perils of the endeavour among the coral reefs the lovely island of savu the luxury and drunkenness the cruelty the vice the heat the stinks the fever of batavia all these things enlarged the narrow world and filled men with wonder and delight so that they held out their hands and with one common consent they called for more End of section 10